0: Okay, we have come to talk about the Bible tonight. Uh, we are in a series called Set Apart. You want us to move the speaker back so you can scoot back. We've been going through different scenes in the Bible that have to do with holiness and being set apart. And we are in week eight. Can you believe we're in week eight of these, this live group study? We're having so much fun. Maybe not in your classes, but in our live groups, we're having lots of fun. So, Rolling Stone recently wrote an article that I read, and I got, like, super into it because it involved one of my favorite childhood basketball players in the NBA, and I got, like, super into it, and it just got worse and worse and worse as the article went through. It was just some, like, really creepy stuff about this guy from the 80s and the 90s, and I was, like, devastated. You guys ever done that before where you have somebody look up to And they just end up being like when people start to investigate what their lives are like. Um, And this article is basically protesting that he shouldn't have been at All-Star Weekend. And it got me really thinking about all of our lives. If if someone were to do like a deep dive investigation, examination of your life, of my life, of our time on Earth so far, what would they find? (laughs) Many of us wouldn't want that. You know, if we're going to do a deep dive investigation into our lives, and what we would see is we'd see a lot of failed exams. Uh, Maybe, uh, maybe in college. Uh, I'm not sure how your day went today. Uh, Oh, somebody raised raised their hand. Said that that happened today. Failed an exam. I am so sorry about that. You guys know all about exams. Uh, The word used for tempted in our passage today that we're going to go through speaks more to a test than a temptation, and we know we haven't always been prepared for exams, classes, and also when it comes to sin. And so that's kind of what we're going to focus on tonight is how do we prepare ourselves like Jesus when he faced his exams in Matthew chapter 4. And your life groups are going to be going through I want to read this quote, and then Rachel's going to share her story right off the top because it's so good to get us going. But it says this. It says, Satan's intention was no doubt... To persuade Jesus to do wrong, but the initiative was with God and the whole emphasis of the story is on the testing of Jesus' reaction to his messianic vocation as the Son of God. And so what that quote really is getting at is that the devil was coming straight after Jesus' identity. He was trying to shake him away from his true mission, which was to fulfill everything as the Son of God. And uh, Rachel's going to open up and share her story.
1: Hi, guys. Okay, so I'm Rachel. um, And tonight we're going over Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And, um, you know, when I was meeting with Andrew and Liam about this and the temptation of Jesus and going into the wilderness, I was totally going to go one direction with this. And after a lot of notes and a lot of thinking, I'm going in a very different direction. (laughs) So, um looking at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness and his obedience through his temptation, um, we also see that Satan really tempts him not only when he's tired, hungry, alone, but really at his weakest point. Um, And as Christ followers, we are expected and we should, you know, be happy about this when we are tempted and tested and we persevere. So I relate to this personally quite a lot in my recent life, um, events happening. Um, just as God, you know, led Jesus out into the wilderness before his ministry began and major life events happening, I've had a lot going on with myself as well. So in May, I'm graduating with my bachelor's and like every other graduate, you know, there's that horrifying what comes next and what are these next steps that I need to be taking and to be honest, I've panicked quite a lot. Um, and then for those who know me, I've, worked, I've had the same job at a little Mexican restaurant called Chewy's for the past four years now. And so this was an area I did not perceive, like, foresee my career staying in for the long run. Um, the goal has always been to be in healthcare. It's something that I've um, you know, really felt God has called me to do and something I think I have a gift in to pursue. And with this panic of graduation coming up and everyone else, you know, getting big-girl jobs along the way, I started panicking as well. And um, you know, just a lot of frustration at my job lately has come to light, not only with management, but people I work with and just hitting the ceiling too fast financially and growth areas. I started to apply for a lot of jobs a lot. Um, And when I was uh, prepping with Andrew and Liam, you know, here's me wondering, what am I going to talk about on the night of worship message? And I had all these tabs open of places I'd applied to and what I was planning to do next. (laughs) That did not go as planned. So, um, you know, God kind of laughs when we have it like all figured out, I think, because he takes it in a totally different direction. you know, just as he led Jesus into the wilderness to prepare him for his next steps. I felt I was being kind of called to go somewhere else, but I had no idea where that was going to be. So, um, long story short, I have an uncle who runs a retirement home. And um, he does my taxes every spring, and so I went to visit him and get some paperwork filled out. And he heard about my recent job troubles and uh, kind of showed me around the place. And I sat down with their HR representative. and. Um, you know, went over obstacles, concerns, where my goals were at, and they hired me. So today was actually my first day on the job. I am now in healthcare, care um, working with my uncle, and they're actually going to be paying for nursing school for me. So it wasn't just an answer to prayer. It was literally the perfect answer to prayer. Um, so, you know, in the midst of that panicking, I thought it was really funny because... Rather than seeking God's presence and, you know, diving into his word, I found myself taking matters into my own hands in the midst of uncertainty. And so um, I think it's really important when we look at this passage uh, to not only see that the quiet preparation that Jesus had when he was being tempted, um, but he came locked and loaded and ready with scripture in hand. And a lot of what we talked about also is just, you know, diving into God's Word every day. So you're not just cherry-picking certain verses here and there, um, but you know, like, the context and the actuality of what goes on in the Bible so that when Satan or whatever comes along to tempt you or to question you, you're not going to open up the book of Deuteronomy and have an answer. You have it off of the top of your mouth. Um, And so, yeah, Um, I think it's... Really hard to rely on faith uh, when we do that. And as Christ followers, um, rather than usually, well, from my perspective, and I'm guilty of this as well, I think we see a lot of people, they come to God and prayer and, you know, for answers when they need something or when they're poor in spirit or when they're in trouble. And that's not something we need to do. As a relationship with Christ, that's something you need to have, you know delve into on the daily and so um obviously my lesson learned here is i needed to wait a little bit not only to see what god had had in store for me um but yeah it's that quiet preparation of you know just god prepares us in certain ways sometimes like he prepared david for the palace on the shepherd's hill um we need to be ready on the daily diving into god's word and just um, you know, looking at uh, scripture so that in these temptations or other major moments or steps in our lives, we are prepared and ready. So, yeah. Now, bear with me. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to start with uh, verses four, one through four. So then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God.
0: So, We broke this up into three exams. I'm so we should have named it organic chemistry, calc one, and what's another one? Uh, Econ or something? I'm sorry if you have a a test in that tomorrow. But exam one is is this is too hard. The passage says then, and so Matthew is wanting us to think back. uh, uh, just before this exam time in light of what was just recorded in chapter 3. What was recorded in Matthew chapter 3? You just studied in your life groups last week. Hopefully you were awake and paying attention. Uh, anybody? What were we talking about last week in life group? Ba- Jesus' baptism. Very good. Man, look at you guys. Um, that the declaration rang out when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descends, descends like a dove, and then the voice from the Father comes out, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And this is just so important. So Jesus was the Messiah. He was the suffering servant to come. And then he, you, chapter 4, then he was led by the Spirit, Luke says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's like kind of anticlimactic because you think that Jesus is going to go and then turn the water into wine, then heal the blind man. He's going to do all these things, um, miraculous things he's going to do. But instead, for 40 days, he is tempted by the devil and he is not eating. And so that just seems weird. It seems weird. And I think during these 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus would be personifying the failures of the Israelites in their 40 year wandering that they went through in the wilderness. And as you look at these passages that Jesus uses to combat the devil, each one of them is to combat the failures of the Israelites as they wandered. Do you ever wondered why all of that stuff is in the Old Testament and all those details about the Israelites Jesus is trying to help us. He's giving us a little hermeneutical like Bible study here. And so one of the verse he uses to um, combat the devil right off the bat is Deuteronomy 8.3. I'm going to read the, the passage right before that in Deuteronomy 8.2 and the first part of 3. He says, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, Whether you would keep his commandments or not, he humbled you to let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. And so Satan's temptation was the beloved son should not have to hunger. The beloved son, this is my beloved son. Why are you fasting for 40 days? It's time to get some of that really good, fresh baked bread at your command. You know, and you can see the devil is just so intelligent. Uh, you should, Jesus, you should get to do things the easy way. If anybody gets the easy way, it's the son, the beloved son of God, right? But Jesus would later, he would exponentially produce enough bread for a crowd that would fill Cambridge Fieldhouse. So turning anything, like multiplying bread Bringing it out of nothing is is just nothing for Jesus. He could do that. No problem. And so he says, no, devil. No. I'm here to pass this test in the wilderness. And let's read what he actually quoted, Adam, the rest of Deuteronomy 8, 3. He said, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is no way Jesus makes it all the way to Calvary, all the way to the cross, all the way to Golgotha without this moment right here if he fails the first exam. Of course this is too hard, but he was saying, I've got to lean into the Father's plan, not into my stomach. And here it's all about bread. It's all about This being difficult. It's all about being hungry. And how did the Israelites complain when they didn't have any bread? Ah, when we were in Egypt in slavery, we had everything we needed. Okay? Jesus has nothing, and yet he's depending on God completely. So let's read the second part of our scripture.
2: So verses 5 through 7 say, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot on a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put your Lord the God, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test.
0: So for Jesus' second exam, it's exam two, we're calling it test over trust. This is get kind of confusing, but for this second exam, the devil takes him to Jerusalem to the pinnacle of the temple. Now, I'm kind of nerdy like this where I was trying to figure out an equivalent of the height of the temple. The highest point of the temple would have been would have been 200 feet. The top of the bell tower in the campus center is 180 feet. So if you can kind of picture this, um, Jesus, and you're going to be staring at this tomorrow when you walk to class, but this is almost like It may be odd, but I want us to picture, imagine the devil and Jesus suspended that far off the ground. If someone jumps off the top of the bell tower, that is a bad idea. Uh, Do not do that. If they do that, just picture angels catching you right before you hit the ground. You know, this is the temptation that Jesus is, is posed here by the devil. So what the devil does, he's so tricky, and he does this to us all the time. This is why we've got to be really careful about Christian adjacent groups on campus that are not like, historically Christian. Uh, they twist things, and it sounds so good, but it's not quite right. And it's really not right at all once you dig underneath the surface. We've got to be real careful. And so the devil uses one of the most powerful Jewish songs uh, to test Jesus. It's Psalm 91, and it is the most encouraging, uplifting hopeful psalms probably in the entire psalter of 150 songs it's just so good you should read it tonight it's really great so you, and when you're reading through it you're like wait why would the devil use one of the most protective uh hopeful songs to twist what jesus was doing here and so jesus isn't tempted to show all the people his true identity so that when he almost hits the ground and an angel catches him and then he can say i'm the messiah you know That's not the temptation. The temptation here is to uh, forsake uh, who God says he was and to do it God's way. And I love this quote by R.T. France. The Son of God can only live in a relationship of trust, which needs no test. I don't need to jump off the top of the temple to fall 200 feet To know that God loves me and that he cares about me. He sent his son to die for me. You imagine if all the people to say that, Jesus is saying that I don't need to throw myself off the temple to know that God is for me. I already know. And so this this exam is another picture of the Israelites' lack of trust in the wilderness when it came to a lack of water supply. They said in Exodus 17, Is the Lord among us or not? And so Jesus, he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 16. He hangs out in Deuteronomy the whole time, like Rachel said. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. So they tested him at this place where they had no water. So hunger, thirst. Hunger, thirst. The second exam shows us that we don't need a test to develop trust in Jesus. We already see and are confident in his love for us so let's finish up our scripture 8 through 11
1: again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor and this I will give you he said if you will bow down and worship me Jesus said to him away from me Satan for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only then the devil left him and angels came and attended him
0: okay So, exam three, give ground or take ground. For Jesus' third exam, the devil takes him to a very high mountain to offer all the kingdoms of the world if he will only bow down and worship the Nahash, the snake, from Genesis 3, okay? This is to activate our minds when God took Moses. Remember, God took Moses to Mount Nebo, and he showed him the promised land, and he said, you're not going to go in, Um which is interesting, and then he dies on top of that mountain. But many of us would say, how does he, the devil even have this to offer? Doesn't God own everything? We see throughout the New Testament, the devil has been given, he, he has a lot, he took, I should say. He's taken a lot of ownership here on earth, of things that he really doesn't own, but he's just twisting it all up. Uh, 1 John 5, 19 states that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one he has his own kingdom agenda so the temptation for the israelites as they entered the promised land was going to get sucked in to worshiping these false gods uh, they were involved in child sacrifice uh, temple prostitution all kinds of crazy things uh, eugene peterson calls it a snake pit uh, Can- it was canaan it was just a snake pit and that's just really what it was Israel was to take the ground, not give the ground, not to give ground. Jesus knew that his goal was the same. The devil would no longer have the upper hand on humanity when he went to the cross. Only one scripture would suffice to respond to this exam. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus quotes, he says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear, you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. So the third exam shows us that we cannot let the devil claim an inch of the ground of our hearts that's reserved for Jesus alone. And you'll notice that verse 11, I haven't talked about that. There is a scene of angelic uh, grubhub service here in verse 11, but we're going to talk about that at the end, uh, you know, just to get your interest. So Liam's going to share his story.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for being here, and thanks for Andrew for asking me to do this. I kind of struggled to get a tangible story that I wanted to talk about along with the idea. So I'm going to give what's kind of a humorous story to me to begin with. It wasn't at the time because I was 13 years old and afraid of my parents. But when I was in seventh grade, there was a new kid in class who was a little bit of a wild kid. His parents weren't really around, and it wasn't any of his fault. He was just a kid, but we got some trouble together. And so there was one day when we noticed that our math teacher had some coffee creamer just kind of out. And we're like, that tastes pretty good. Why don't we just steal some of those and just start draining them in history class? And so we got found out. Mr. Fetters caught us and told my mom because she was a teacher and she got into me. And for a day, I was in the office with my parents. So that wasn't fun. But um, seriously, I, just, it, I want that to come into some more sensitive things that I don't think everybody here really wants to know about me. But I've come from a very rough past. Uh, I have not really done myself any favors. Um, addiction, bad relationships, whatever, I've probably been involved with it, so I've, I've struggled with uh, my past, and when I came to Christ, the, the first thing that the devil and the, and the thing that he continues to try and tempt me with is um, just reliving a lot of things. Um, and we noticed when we were talking that Jesus was tempted immediately after he was baptized. and. Um, that really correlated and resonated with me because the devil doesn't wait and it doesn't matter when you come to Christ, the devil's not like, ah, I've lost one, All right, we'll move on. He he attacks you then because he doesn't want you to complete the things that that the Lord would have for you. And so, um, my biggest struggle is apathy. Um, The devil coming to me and saying, look at what you've done, look at these awful things that you've done in your life. Why does it matter? Just give up. You're this awful person. The person who you hate is your identity. And um, that's not the truth, but the Lord does warn us about having apathy, and no matter where it comes from, whether the devil's tempting you and reminding you of some awful things and getting in your head, we do have some, some warnings in scripture, and I want to come and bring you a lot of scriptures that starts off a little rough, but it will get lighter by the end. Uh, Romans twelve eleven says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Zephaniah 1.12 says, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord would not do good, nor will he do ill. Revelation 3.2 says, Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. James 4.7 says, So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. But this isn't the end. If we're a child of God, um, He will deliver us from the despair that might come with the devil reliving our past or, or telling us to just give up. Um, we, we are not crushed. The temptation can pass if we lean on the Lord. And I want to bring some more verses here that will remind us of that. And 2 Corinthians 4 8 says, We are experiencing trouble on every side, but we are not crushed. We might be perplexed, but not driven to despair. Psalm 41-2 through says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um... We, uh, Andrew challenged us to try and bring one particular memory verse that we could try and, and take with us, because what we don't want is to come through this message and not take anything away from it. We don't want to be apathetic. We don't want to leave here and forget what happened. And so my memory verse that I'd like to share with you guys, I actually was, was going through a study with my dad at our church because he's the pastor there, and we were going through the Colossians, and I just want to share Colossians one13 to 14, and I encourage you guys to continue to read this and go back to it. And it says, he has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks. So
0: the bottom line is that the temptation that we're going to face, the exams we're going to face in this life, they're just too difficult. There's no way we're going to make it. And I've been so proud of some of you recently. I hadn't planned to say this, but I was just thinking about when you were talking. It's just some of you have just been like, okay, I struggle with this. I'm going to surround me with people that struggle with the same thing. And we're going to keep each other accountable. Not only that, but I'm going to ask you how you're doing. I'm going to tell you how I'm doing, even if I'm not doing well. Because that's the only way that we're going to get true freedom is when we hold each other accountable We submit to God's word, and I just love what both of you shared. It's just so good. So the the moment, the reason we need accountability, we need trust in God's word, is that the moment will be too big, and so you're going to need something bigger than the moment. And it's not going to be your willpower. It's not going to be a clever saying that the world gives us, that, you know, be you or whatever. It's just not going to get it done. And we, were jo- we weren't joking. We were talking about this that there's a hundred percent chance of rain. And what I mean by that, there's a hundred percent chance that these exams, these temptations are coming. And I lo- this really dovetails with what we talked about last month really well. But here's the application number one, going back into the scripture, that's what we want to do for application. We need to expect difficulty, expect the hunger. If you feel like you're struggling, you're on the brink of making a horrible decision, and you're so hungry and so tired and so worn out, that's where Jesus was. In Luke, see, in Matthew, he almost leads you to believe that for 40 days, Jesus survived and then was tempted by the devil. Luke doesn't say that in his account. He actually says that Jesus, during the 40 days, was tempted by the devil, and then he came at him hardcore with the last three at the very end. And that's the hardest time to hold on, isn't it? Right at the very end, right when we're the hungriest, right when we're the thirstiest. It's just so hard to hold on. And so expect it. Don't, don't act like, oh, it's, this is hard. It must not be what God wants me to do. That is garbage. Everybody who followed Jesus lived a very difficult life in the Bible. None of them had it easy. Even Jesus, even Jesus... Number two, choose trust over test. And that just means, Jesus, I want you. I don't want you to do a trick for me. I don't want you to turn stones into bread for me. I don't want you to jump off the bell tower of the campus center and have an angel catch you. I want you to love me with all of your heart. And I want to respond in love and trusting in you. Choose trust over test. And the third one is to take ground in loyalty. Take ground in loyalty. Um, we, we have to, to take the ground. Like the, like the Israelites took Canaan, we're taking ground. Uh, the Lord, your God, you shall fear, you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Nothing should be able to shake us from the worship of an almighty God. It should be our, like, default. That's why going to church on Sundays is so important. I mean, it's important what we're doing right now, but to be sitting next to in a crowd, someone who's like 80 or 90 years old, been following Jesus for like 60 years, there's just something so powerful about that. So take ground in loyalty. So, what would happen if all of us started to pass some exams? Whew, that'd be great. I mean, Logan, I don't want to put Logan out, but he took physics too last semester, right? And it, it, was, it was a hopeless situation. Um, that class is not for the faint of heart, right? Amen. Those of you who have survived it. And so he thought it was going to go poorly. You know, I got to keep my GPA. We were just praying the whole semester, probably four, 15 weeks in a row, we met and prayed about physics too. And then in the very end, just God did so, something that he couldn't even explain of being able to, to help him through that. So we're going to face exams. It may be physics too. It may be an addiction. I don't, I don't know what it is for you. But we, we would get to sit, uh, if we pass some exams, we get to sit with Jesus. And I don't know if you've done this. I, I hope you have in your life where you got hit with the temptation and an exam, uh, the, the threatened to, to ruin yourself morally, and you chose the right thing. You resisted temptation you were able to stand up underneath like uh, Corinthians says that will will be stand up underneath it and see the way out. And we take it when you do. Think about verse 11. Jesus, when he gets to the end of the 40 days and the, the whole, it says that the, the angels ministered to him. What did they do to him? Did they give him a foot massage? No, I'm guaranteeing you there. There was some bread and there was some water. Get that guy some water. Get that guy some bread. Sustain his body so that he does not die. Think about how refreshing that water was for Jesus when it hit his mouth. Think about how good that bread tasted after fasting for 40 days and being just bashed by the devil. And it made me think of uh, John chapter 4. I'm going to invite the worship team up and uh, we're going to sing one more song. But Jesus is having this conversation with the woman at the well, and he says, and she is just, she's just a mess. She's had so many things happen in her life. Let's stand together. Let me read this, and we'll, we'll be good. Jesus says to the woman at the well, he said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so we would be remiss if we didn't, every night of worship, give an opportunity for us to respond to the gospel. Jesus came as a man, just like he was baptized and then he was tempted for 40 days. He had a family. He went through almost everything that we have gone through in this life. And he died on the cross at age 33, and he rose again on the third day so that we could have freedom. If you have never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe tonight is your night to make that decision. We have a student getting baptized on Friday, and we would love to to help you make that decision as well. Um, But are you ready to eat your fill of the bread of life and to drink deep of the spring of the water of life? for the first time let's let's think about those things as we sing